covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thank you so much for taking some time as uh, we got a uh, we got an exciting program coming up here uh, today. Exciting more because of what's going on with the Brewers, and it's been a very weird, weird, yeah, I'll go weird, odd, a little bit off week this past week. The way things uh, ended up going down, certainly a roller coaster week, maybe that's the better term to use, but uh, nonetheless, we got a ton to talk about here on the podcast this week. Let's take care of our normal housekeeping items here at the top of the program, as we always do. If you listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast and have not left a ranking and review, that would be great. Please do that. We would very much appreciate that. If you have, thank you. Uh, also, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe. Maybe you just go and search for it every week on the Apple Podcast app. It helps out if we, uh, you can actually subscribe to it. If you don't want to do any of that, that's fine, too, and I appreciate you just tuning in on an every week uh, basis. If you listen to the podcast on another uh, place or another outlet, another provider, like Stitcher or uh, like uh, WTMJ.com or the WTMJ mobile app. Just keep doing what you're doing and uh, keep being tuned in because uh, our numbers do continue to move in an upward direction. It's great to see more and more people uh, tuning into the podcast. And look, a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Brewers are playing well and everybody wants to talk about the Brewers and uh, this is just an outlet to do so. So thanks so much for uh, being tuned in. If you want to get at me, you can uh, tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. That's always the best way to reach out to me. was an odd week. was a really odd week when you just kind of put all of it together. Starts with a three-game series in Chicago against the Cubs. They take two out of three, winning 3-2 and 5-1, losing the middle game by a 3 nothing score. That gets them within a game of first place in the NL Central. It ended up being a game and a half when the Cubs went and played that makeup game in D.C. and ended up winning that game. And then the Cubs ended up taking two out of three uh, from Cincinnati while the Brewers end up losing two of three to Pittsburgh. I don't know what the reason is. Our featured guest this week is uh, Tim Muma from uh, Brew Crew Ball. We'll get into this with him a little bit in just a few minutes. I don't know what it is about the Pirates, but they, they don't seemingly match up well against them. They don't play especially well against them. It's just it has not gone well for the most part between the Brewers and the Pirates this year. And sometimes you just have situations. Sometimes you just have teams that you really have a hard time with. And this year, that's the Pirates for the Brewers. And the bummer is losing two out of three most recently. That that stinks. It comes at a bad time. And they got three more games against Pittsburgh coming up uh, this weekend on the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Brewers this year against the Pirates, as we talk on Sunday night, are 5-11. and 11. Those 11 losses are the club's most losses to Pittsburgh since 2013 when they went 7-12 and 12 against Pittsburgh. And again, Three more games against the Pirates coming up at their place next weekend. Uh, That series against the Cubs, I think, did take a little something. Those were highly emotional games, and I think they took something out of the team. Now, they had the off day. On Thursday, between the Cubs series and the Pirates series, there's a lot of talk uh, on that first day of the Pirates series about the benefit of that off day when you go through an emotional series like you had against the Cubs. Gives you a chance to kind of regroup. But I, I, I do wonder, did possibly that Cubs series take just a little something out of Pittsburgh? The offense, especially in the last two games uh, against the Pirates, had a really hard time putting much together. And you're hopeful as they welcome Cincinnati in for a three-game series starting on Monday that the bats do start to click a little bit more. They have to. They have to win this series uh, against Cincinnati. They're at a point right now where losing series can do major harm towards getting uh, possibly winning the division. I do think the team is in a really good position in terms of their wild card spot. Look, until it's mathematically sure, I get it, that that there's going to be people out there that are uncomfortable. And I'm not punching the, you know, stamping their card to the postseason quite yet, but they're in a really good position in terms of the wild card. Right now, uh, the Brewers are essentially – they're, they're three games in front of the Cardinals and the Dodgers for the second wild card spot. And then those two teams are 
four games in front of the Diamondbacks. The Dodgers are contending with the Rockies for the National League West. So the Brewers are in a good place in terms of getting to the postseason. In fact, uh, ESPN has a uh, playoff uh, percentage chance of making the playoffs. They have some sort of algorithm that they put everything in and they figure it out. Uh, Even losing two out of three against the Pirates, the ESPN still places the Brewers' chance at making the playoffs at 98%. The only team in the National League who has a better percentage chance at this point is the Cubs at 99.9%. Even the Braves, who are seemingly who are on the cusp of clinching their division. They have a six-and-a-half game lead on the Phillies as we talk on Sunday night. Uh, they're at 97.3%, so the Brewers have 0.7% better chance of making the playoffs uh, than the division-leading uh, Atlanta Braves in the National League East. So Brewers are in good shape. I, found it, I want to really touch on this to open up the program today. I really thought the comments coming out of the Chicago clubhouse after that third game were interesting. Uh, there were some comments where people are saying, yeah, we feel the Brewers coming. That's fine. That's Of course they do. Like they were, The Brewers at that point had gotten within a game. They had a little bit of momentum there. But the comment that was more surprising, and I'll talk about this with Tim Muma coming up in just a few minutes, was the comment made by Javi Baez, who basically said, we hope not to play the Brewers in the playoffs. That's from a Cubs team that is supposed to be kind of on the mountaintop, the, the, the grizzled veteran team that's had success in the postseason before, that's, that's a very odd thing to say. Now, I'll also say this. That was an emotional three-game series, and he said that basically moments after they had lost two of three. They played a million games in a row. They were getting set to travel to Washington for a single game. Like, I think we as human beings, look, I, I know I've certainly said things before in an emotional state of mind that later on I was like, okay, that, that I shouldn't have said that. That's not totally true. I was exaggerating a little bit. I was I was making things worse than they were. We've all done that. It's It's human. It's why they say you should never write an email angry because the moment you press send, you can't get that bad boy back. And it was probably an emotional statement from him had they not – I don't think he would say that right now. I don't don't think that would be the exact same quote that comes out of his mouth. But it's – all that being said, it's still notable. It's still interesting that he would would say that, that there seemed to be some sort of feeling that the Cubs – do not want to face the Brewers. And right now, as it sits, there's a pretty good chance that however the divisional series works out, that if both the Brewers and Cubs are still alive in the postseason at that point, that they would play against each other in the divisional series. Whether it's the Brewers getting the top spot and, and having the best record in the National League and winning the Central, or whether it's the Cubs being in that position and then the wild card team after that. And that second wild card race, it's interesting. Uh, Cardinals ended up defeating the Dodgers on Sunday night. So the National League West has the Rockies leading the Dodgers by a half game as of 10.43 p.m. on Sunday night. And I still think the Dodgers are going to end up winning that division. And then in the wild card, you have the Dodgers and the Cardinals, who are both 82-68, and 68, and they are in a virtual tie, or they are in a tie, for that second wild card position behind the Brewers, and the Diamondbacks are four back. I do think we'll see the Dodgers move into the top spot in the West, and then I think we'll see the Rockies and the Cardinals being the two teams that are contending for the second wild card. But as it sits right now, the Rockies are the first-place team in the National League West. I don't want to see the Brewers face the Dodgers. We'll talk more about this with uh, Tim Muma in just a few minutes. But if I've got a choice of which team not to see, not to have the Brewers play in a potential wild card game if the Brewers don't win the division, to me it absolutely is the Dodgers. Uh, They still have the best roster in the National League. And there's this guy named Clayton Kershaw who very easily could end up pitching that wild card game. And you would probably just rather not see him. But this is going to be fun. This is going to be exciting. Enjoy these next two weeks. And at the end of the show, we'll kind of go through what's going to be coming up moving forward for the Brewers. But whether they can catch the Cubs or whether they can't catch the Cubs, no matter what ends up happening, 
just enjoy these next couple weeks because uh, this is some of the best baseball you'll see. Brewers chose a bad time to lose two in a row to the Pirates, but we'll see if they can uh, get things going again against the Reds. By the time you're listening to this, you might already know the answer to that question. Again, we've got a lot to get to uh, starting with our social media conversation. Let's get to it right now. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings of the Podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile as we do continue on. Right now it is time for our social media conversation, and uh, we welcome in a guy that you can uh, read over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. He is uh, Tim Muma. Follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore Muma. That's M-U-M-A. Tim, it's always great to get you on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Always a pleasure to talk with you as well. How do you uh, evaluate this past week? Talk about an up and down week where they go into Chicago, they take two of three, but uh, and they get within a game and a half of the Cubs, and, and then they turn around and they they face a Pirates team that admittedly they have struggled against all season long, and uh, those struggles seemingly continue that they end up losing two of three to the Pirates at home. Yeah, I think the easy answer and maybe the cop-out answer is it's baseball. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Uh, And I'm just as guilty as anybody where you get so caught up in the one series, one game, and and you really have to look at it as these big chunks of games. You're going to lose some you shouldn't. You're going to win some you shouldn't. Uh, And for whatever reason, like you said, the Pirates have had their number. Maybe it's a bad matchup. And I think too many times people forget about that side of it with baseball. You know, football, basketball teams easy to all This team matches up poorly with another. Uh, it's just easier to see the offense versus defense kind of breakdown for those teams. But maybe the Pirates have something starting report wise. Maybe it's the way the pitchers work, the Brewers specific type of batters. But they just, for the most part, can't figure out how to score runs against them. And we saw that yesterday and today. And um, unfortunately, it's just the way things go. And it, it's a letdown, no doubt. Uh, even if you would have won yesterday or today. You're, you know, game and a half behind the Cubs instead of two and a half, and it seems like you might not ever catch them. Um, so, yeah, coming off of a winning a series against the Cubs, it hurts not to come home and, and beat a team that you probably should beat two out of three, but that's just the way it goes. Um, the Rockies, look at how hot they were, and they go, and I think they lost two out of three of the Giants, who are not really a good team. The cop-out answer again, it's baseball, it happens. you, you got to just keep pushing along, and if the Brewers are going to win the division... They're going to need a little help from the Cubs. If not, you know, win as many as you can, host that wild card game, and uh, let the chips fall where they may. I, I think there is something to the not matching up with the Pirates. I, I don't know if it's and, – and I have a hard time completely putting my finger on it. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it partially has to do with just the way – I think Clint Hurdle is a really good manager, and I think his teams grind it out on an everyday basis. And not that the Brewers don't go play a hard nine every single time, but there's just something – it seems like you have to really earn those wins against the Pirates, and if anything goes wrong, seemingly you're not winning that game. It has felt that way. And, you know, obviously the last couple of games are low scoring, but they also seem to come up with the big kind of clutch hits, if you will, even if they're not – late in the game. I mean, today they had, you know, a double ground out sack fly, get your run there. And then they had another, you know, a base hit to left field to score run. Like nothing big or major, but they just were able to push those across. And for whatever reason, the Brewers have failed to come up with those hits against multiple teams, but especially against the Pirates. And uh, then you, you factor in how good the Pirates pitching has been against the Brewers and their bullpen is terrific as it is. Uh, you know, it's great to see the Brewers try to fight back against Vasquez, and he's he's an incredible pitcher uh, just with the stuff that he has. But, uh, yeah, like you said, the, the Pirates do grind it out. They've been able to win a lot of close games against the Brewers, both here and in Pittsburgh. And I think it's just one of those things. that You can look back over the course of, uh, you know, baseball's history, and you'll find great teams who struggled against sub-500 teams in any given season. It's just the way it goes, whether it is a matchup thing, whether it's, a, I don't know, shift. Maybe the Pirates are better at beating shifts than other teams. You, know, you can't always figure it all out in one season, but uh, something's been there. they got to face them again here down the, down the stretch, and uh, you know, you just hope they can uh, keep piecing wins together at least uh, to make sure they stay in that top wild card spot. One of the interesting pieces of September baseball is – you just alluded to it a moment ago that you know it's just one game, it's just one series. You got to look at things from a larger perspective than that, and I absolutely agree with that. And it's really easy to preach that in April, May, June, July, even August. 
But when you get to September and you're a game or two back of the first-place team, every single game takes on more significance. And I think sometimes what – and I have a hard time with it as well because the idea that a game is one of 162, that is always true. The game in May equals the same as the game in September, but when you get to September – there's less time to you know, correct mistakes. There's less time to climb out of a hole. All of a sudden, time is a very finite sort of thing right in front of you. So it feels like these games are so much more important. That's why losing two out of three against Pittsburgh, you're right. It's just one series. They had won seven straight series before. It's not the end of the world. But for people who feel like it's kind of the end of the world, I completely understand where they're coming from. Yeah, I, I get it too, and, I, and like I said, I mean, I'm guilty of it as well. Uh, and especially if it's a game you feel they should have won, it, it feels like it means more, and it does in a way. Uh, as you said, time's running out; you only have so many games to catch up. Uh, you know, I, and I've made the argument in the past that I feel a lot of times games early in the season for what you could argue maybe the fringe type team like the Brewers are more important because that dictates what they do at the deadline, and obviously they did add at the deadline. Uh, but as you get into the September games and, you know, you get the head-to-head matchups are done now with the Cubs, so you have no other chances to, to kind of do the two-for-one where you win, they lose. Um, I can see where people kind of get more into a football mentality, if, uh, if you will, as far as you need to win this game, you need to do everything you can to win this game, and you see it a little bit more. I don't think Council's necessarily pulling guys, and, and he did do it a little bit, but in the fifth inning of or sixth inning of these games, just because they're down a couple runs, uh, you also have the luxury now because you have expanded rosters, you have more pitchers, so you can go that well a little more often. But there should be a little more, I think, uh, urgency with it, whether you're trying to get that one run in, uh, trying to spark some offense, if you need to go you know, match up every single batter in an inning to, to go to different three different pitchers, that you got to do what you got to do. So uh, the losses do feel like they mean a lot more. The wins are huge, especially when – the team front, like the Cubs, also lose. Um, obviously, today would have been a great chance to pick up that game that you lost yesterday. It's just the way it goes. And, um, you know, I think it, the focus is supposed to be on winning series, and you hope that you can maybe sweep a series or two. And at the same time, no matter what they do, they're still going to need the Cubs to falter a little bit. And that could happen if they start feeling the pressure. I mean, they got to go out to Arizona. Maybe they put, uh, you know, they don't put enough emphasis on their games, and, and they kind of coast through those games, and you're right back in a, a good spot. Uh, yeah, the thing for me is, I'm I'm just happy we get to experience it. I mean, as Brewer fans, there have been a whole lot of opportunities for that, and to have meaningful games and be mad and frustrated about a game they lost today, but then hey, right back tomorrow, chance to pick up a game. Uh, I wouldn't trade that for anything. It, it beats, uh, you know, just playing out the stretch here in the in the last month of the year. I hope people listening to this don't make don't think that I'm assuming that they're going to get a wild card and not win the division based off this question because I do think they still have a legitimate chance to catch the Cubs and win the division. It's not going to be easy, but uh, I do mm-hmm. think there's a chance at it. But all that being said. They go, they get within a game and a half of the Cubs. There's a ton of momentum. Let's hypothetically say they end up short of the division and they take home the wild card. There, there's a, The majority of the fan base absolutely is going to be pleased with the fact that the team is a postseason, uh, is a postseason qualifier. But do you think that, that jaded section of the fan base, the, the, the people who are always calling for counsel to be fired, the people who just don't like anything that, uh, that the Brewers are doing, do you think those people who are Brewers fans, even if they look at the games maybe a little bit different than, than I would or I think you would, do you think those people are going to at least be able to appreciate a, a potential wild card appearance from the Brewers? I don't truly know. Um... Because there is again a little bit of that kind of uh, here we go again we couldn't we couldn't be win the division especially end up losing the wild card game and I, I admit there would be some disappointment in that to play so well in theory have the second best record in the National League and only get to play that one game but then that's look that's the way it goes that's the way it, everything is set up I'm not a fan of people whining and complaining about that stuff because this is how it is go out and win your division if you can't. You win the you win the wild card. You play that game. If you can't win it, oh well. That's that's just the way it goes. Back in the day, you had two division winners, and, and that was all that happened. Nobody else really had a shot half the time. So I don't know if there's going to be a, a faction. I, I think there will be a faction. I should say. People are just still not going to be happy, not satisfied. They're going to find those things 
those reasons, whether it's counsel or Tenable or any one of the players you want to pick on, that's, you know, if they could have just won another game or two, they would have won the division, then they wouldn't have to worry about this game. So I think that's going to happen, unfortunately. I think that it's kind of the good and bad of, of what I've seen of a growing fan base for the Brewers, you know, which obviously started coming back when they started winning more uh, with Braun and Fielder specifically. Is you, just, you get more casual fans. You get people who don't necessarily understand the intricacies, don't understand that this team could potentially win, you know, over 90 games, and that's actually really good. And Like, look over the course of baseball. That's, that's an outstanding season. Sometimes there's just a team better than you. I, I, there's just no other explanation, really. The, the Cubs have had a better year. Uh, if the Brewers were in another division, they'd be a division leader. But that's just the way it goes. Unfortunately, there are going to be people that, yeah, they're not going to see it that way. They're going to complain that the Brewers don't know what they're doing, that this franchise is cursed and all that stuff. It it, it gets a little tiresome, obviously. And, look, I, I'm on Twitter plenty, and, and I try to ignore that stuff. Um, it's never going to go away. Unless the Brewers do, you know, at least get to the World Series, then maybe some of those people kind of back off a little bit of their vitriol toward the Brewers, if you will. It's um, it's interesting. the The fan base that there's a, I think there's a vocal minority that is very, very negative, and it, it frustrates me. And I don't, you know, I don't follow those people. It's only when they're tweeting at me that I see it. I I, I try to insulate myself from it as much as possible. But obviously. With what I do as a post-game show host, I hear from people calling, texting, tweeting, that sort of thing. It is, at times it is frustrating to me because this has been so fun of a season Mm -hmm. to watch and experience. And I love this sport so much. I love baseball so much. And it, it literally bums me out when there are people who... They obviously care about the Brewers. They if they they wouldn't be moaning and complaining so much if they didn't care. And it bums maybe I shouldn't even care, but it bums me out on their behalf that they're not able to enjoy what's been taking place this year. And look, here's the thing. I mean, I I complain about stuff. I complain again about certain decisions, and um, you know, I, like I always say, as a coach, you always have a little bit of an ego. That's just part of it. So. I fully admit that that's part of my makeup and that if I see something that doesn't seem to make sense to me without obviously having all the information, I might complain about something council does or a player does, whatever. Uh, but like you said, beyond that, that's like in the minutia. You have to appreciate what you get to experience here. And I know there are tons of franchises that had a lot more success. But to me, that's then enjoy it. You, like, you haven't had this opportunity. I mean, the day-to-day pennant race, the game's meaning something more because people be tell the season's so long. Well, now is the time to enjoy it because, like you said, time is running out, but they're right there. They have the shot. Um, you know, I, I really do try as best I can to enjoy the day-to-day here uh, with still wanting to be a fan and still wanting them to win. I mean, I was at the game today with, with my sons and a friend of theirs, and, you know, it was, there's not a whole lot going on for the Brewers, and it's frustrating, and then they give you a little excitement, and then it's like, oh, the letdown of dropping the game. But, you know, on the way home, we're all talking, all right, well, at least the Cubs lost. We're going back at it tomorrow. You know, go back out and win it. And I think that's the beauty of it as opposed to football and even basketball where it's it's, it's day-to-day. It's every single day you get the chance to hop back on or keep the winning streak going. And uh, like you said, I, I'm just – I love it. I, I mean, I've had so much fun with this team and watching what they've done and what Stearns has done and what Council has done. Um, you know, win or lose – get the wild card, get the division, play one game. No matter when they end up ending the season, it's going to be disappointing unless they win it all. But at the same time, you can still be happy with what they're able to produce because, as you said, I love the sport. It's an entertaining as heck, and I only see you know positive things as they go forward with, with this sport. This question is probably a couple weeks too early, but it's a question that I got a lot of over the course of uh, the postgame show here recently. If the Brewers end up in the wild card, uh, in all likelihood they'll play the Rockies, the Dodgers, or the Cardinals. Uh, as we're talking right now, the Cardinals are leading the Dodgers by a 4 nothing score in the seventh inning. Obviously, by the time people are listening to this podcast, that game's going to be long over, but it appears that the Cardinals are uh, en route to winning that, and that would put the Dodgers... 
uh, back into a uh, into a wild card position. The Cardinals just a little bit back. I guess there'd be a tie actually uh, there uh, between the two. So uh, rank those teams in order of uh, that you would like the Brewers to face. Rank who you would like to see one to three. Well, I'd say the team I would least want them to face is the Dodgers. Uh, I just still think the Dodgers have so much talent. They have the experience. And there's always Mr. Kershaw lurking in the background. Uh, I would hate to see him in a one-game playoff. I know everyone's talking about, oh, he's not the same in the playoffs, but I don't care. He's (laughs) one of the best pitchers of this generation. He's left-handed, which is also deadly against the Brewers. I don't want to see the Dodgers. Like. With them winning three out of four, presumably not coming back in tonight's game, I really hope they just blow past the Rockies and take the division so I don't have to think about them. Between the Rockies and the Cardinals, I think it comes down to the pitching matchup, which you know they may or may not have a chance to set that up. But if the Brewers have to face Freeland, again a lefty with Colorado, I think that would cause some troubles. Um, but I think overall the Brewers kind of match up well with the Rockies. Uh, you know, they had a good series with them here. They, I think, believe, if I remember correctly, they won the series in Colorado as well. Uh, so I think roster-wise, like guy for guy, the Brewers match up better with the Rockies. So I would say I'd like to face them more than any other team, as long as Freeland isn't pitching. Uh, meanwhile, the Cardinals, they're kind of in that middle tier to me because they are the Cardinals. I mean, I don't have any fear of, oh, we lose to the Cardinals again. They knock us out. Whatever. It's frustrating, but that doesn't matter to me for this year. Uh, but I think... You know, I, something something seems a little you know tough about that team still, and maybe there is some mystique to them between you know the Brewers and them as well. They do have obviously talent on that team. They've been overall hot in the second half. They pulled off recently, um, and they've had the, the Brewers have had their issues with some of their pitchers as well. So I think I think again, if I was ranking them, I would still say I want to see the Rockies first, Cardinals second, and the last team I want to see out of those that trio is the Dodgers. For sure. I agree with you 100%. I still think the Dodgers have the most talented roster in the National League. Yep. I agree. I agree. Uh, top to bottom, and, you know, if those guys are all clicking in the event, they've been better, obviously, over the course of the last few weeks to get in the position they are. So I completely agree. I, I almost have, I don't want to say no fear in facing the Cubs, but we can see how the Brewers, you know, have battled against them and, and look like the better team in the last handful of matchups. But the Dodgers are just. You know, they are what they are. They have a lot of talent. They have guys who've literally been there last year. And, um, yeah, I, I just, just assume let them win the West and have to face them down the road in the series. You led me right into the next question because after the Brewers took two or three from the Cubs, there were some interesting remarks coming out of uh, out of the Cubs clubhouse. Guys saying that they can feel the pressure. Javi Baez said, I hope we don't play these guys uh, in the playoffs. Those were those were surprising comments to me yeah. from the team that is supposed to be, you know, on the mountaintop. I was, I was literally shocked. Like I thought maybe I was reading parody account of a reporter <laughs> saying that they said that I, I literally thought this can't be right. It's not what I'm seeing. Um, you know, Hendricks, I just thought it was funny Hendricks saying that the Brewers are their rival now. Like he and Cole Hamels don't talk a whole lot, but. Um, the Baez one really struck me as far as not wanting to face the Brewers in the playoffs. For one, you know, whether you like it or not, Baez has such a confidence and a swagger to him. I, I couldn't imagine ever hearing him say something like that, of being worried about anybody or any team. And kudos to him for having that kind of confidence. But to say that was, was really shocking. And I, to me, if you're in the clubhouse with the, you know, with the Brewers, that's got to be a little boost to what you've been able to do and, and how you've come out and kind of punched him in the mouth a little bit the last couple series. Uh, but, yeah, that is not something you hear professional athletes say very often, in my opinion. Not when you're in the thick of it. Maybe at the end of the season you say, you know, we started to feel it a little bit. We are a little worried if we had to face them. Not when you're actually going through it and, and there's no guarantee that you're going to stay above that team or that you're going to beat them if you face them. So it, it had to say something. I'm sure, you know, the Cubs keep going back to the well of having the, the tough schedule breaks, and, and admittedly, it's been rough for them. I'm not saying it's not a factor. Um, you know, maybe mental fatigue setting in. Maybe they they just feel like the Brewers are they've done what they need to do to catch up to them, talent wise, and it's just a matter of the Cubs hanging on. Um, but I'm with you. I I I was literally shocked when I saw a couple of those quotes coming out of there. And so far, it hasn't necessarily hurt the Cubs. They obviously are, have won a couple games over the weekend, and, and they're still in a good position. But uh, who knows? If they lose a couple and the Brewers win a couple and the screws start getting a little tighter, maybe it will play a factor uh, as we get to the last week and a half of the season. I don't think the Brewers have 
gotten enough credit from starting one and eight against the Cubs, and there was a lot of flukiness in there. That was their that really cold series in Chicago where they got swept early on. So is uh, that one and eight did not feel one and eight ish, but to start one and eight and finish eight and eleven against that team, that's. That's quite the return by the Brewers, and I don't know if enough people are are giving them the credit because, from a very raw perspective, you say, "Well, they were three games below 500 against the Cubs." But when you when you find some nuance in it, uh, that's a that's a nice performance against the Cubs for the the final half of that series. Yeah, for sure. And and you mentioned early in the season there can always be lots of strange stuff going on, whether it is the weather or you know, guys getting acclimated to new roles, uh, you know, or guys, someone like Council who's really mixing and matching a lot early in the year to get guys at bats. And so who knows, uh, you know, maybe like you said, some flukiness, some, some strange things happening there. Uh, but I think what the positive is, is the Brewers clearly didn't let it get in their head. And there was enough, I think, of a break from the beginning, uh, you know, those first couple series to where they started playing them again in the middle and, and second half here. Uh, where they they personally clearly didn't feel like the Cubs were in their head or we can't beat them. Uh, you know, you heard that a lot from fans. Well, if we can't, you know, we just can't beat the Cubs. We're just not good enough. We're not going to do anything if we can't beat the good teams. Um, so I'm with you in, in, you know, the mentality that the Brewers clearly, they had the, you know, the desire, the will to be able to, to get through the season without worrying about the Cubs, so to speak. And then when they did have to take them on head on, they were right there with them and, and to your point of how they kind of flipped the script on the record, um, you know, it, it is pretty impressive. And it helps that they brought in some reserves with, you know, the trades that Stern's made and everything. That definitely helped, I think, narrow the gap talent-wise. So that plays a role, too, in, in being able to bring those guys in uh, before these later season matchups. Uh, but it, I think it does bode well if they do face in the postseason because there there should be no, uh, you know, fear going into that. Not that most professional athletes have it, but there shouldn't be any, you know, concern that oh, we have to face these guys again. We can't get over the hump because they've proven they can in big games. I mean, if they had lost these two recent series instead of winning them, they would have no shot at the division. So they've proven they can do it in a spot where the pressure's on and, and they have to get a victory. So, uh, you know, going forward, I, it'd be interesting to face them in the playoffs, that'd be sure. But I think it'd be extremely exciting. I think the games would be fun like they have been down to the wire almost every night and, um, you know, that, that PT alternative of not making it that far, that's for sure. You once again lead me into another question, and it also kind of goes under the umbrella of individuals not deserving the credit that they uh, that they should get. Uh, the Jonathan Scope move, he ha- he has his one big moment, uh, obviously, uh, against San Francisco. Uh, prior to that, his numbers had kind of lifted for a while, but they're back to earth. He's been the one guy that has not made the impact on this team, again, outside that one swing of the bat against San Francisco. But outside of mm-hmm. scope, everybody that's been acquired, Mustakis, Granderson, Gio Gonzalez, Cedeno, I mean, everybody that David Stearns has uh, acquired from July 31st on has made a pretty positive impact on this team. And those August 31st guys uh, especially have, have done some really nice things. And everybody wants to look at the Cubs. And I'm not trying to make this an entire podcast about the Cubs. Sometimes I think Brewers fans focus a little bit too much on Chicago, and I'm not trying to go down that same path. But all we do is hear about what Cole Hamels is doing and what Daniel Murphy is doing and how the Cubs made all these fantastic moves. And I'm not trying to poo-poo what they've done. Those guys have done a nice job, but the Brewers have acquired more players who have made an impact than the Cubs have. And I think that's part of Stern's M.O. is not necessarily the big flashy moves and signings, but finding the right pieces that could fit and Guys that uh, you know fit into the philosophy of the team of Craig Council. I mean, you go all the way back to you know getting Chassin. I mean, that's been huge for the Brewers, and that nobody barely even reported on that in the national media because it it didn't seem like a big move or something that's going to be extremely positive, and it has been. Uh, and then you bring up fast forward to, to the mid season point here, and and even the end of August, like you said, and getting guys like Cedeno, Gonzalez, and Granderson, um, all pieces, uh, and that. That the way the the team is really run, as you know, is about finding matchups, having depth, just adding as much talent to the team as possible. And I think a lot of people throughout the second half of the year have been wondering, like, how is this all going to work? You have all these guys now with you know Mustakis and Shaw, and you, you have Scope, and you have all these guys who don't really fit into necessarily one position now. And 
And now you bring Gonzalez. What's his role going to be? Because he didn't pitch for the first, you know, handful of games and didn't really have a plan. Um, but I think that is the plan, is just acquire as much talent as you can that they're going to be good pieces for the team that you have. I think Granderson's a, a great example of that because he's not a guy anybody was clamoring for the last few years. He's obviously on the downside of his career, but it's just he's a professional baseball player. He's been through it all. He knows his role. He fits a, a purpose on the team because you really have a left-handed bat you could trust. No offense to Eric Thames. It's just not a role he really thrives in. Um, but, you know, another outfield to have, a pinch runner if you need it. So it's finding those roles that, you know, just on the fringes. I think you heard a lot about that before the season of where are the fringe uh, improvements you can make. And, and that's what you can with the left-handed reliever in Cedeno and bring in another starter to supplement some of the guys maybe run out of gas getting hurt like Gonzalez. And, uh, and then Granderson being, a, again, a perfect example of, something that maybe the outside world didn't think they needed, but it really was obvious that a guy like that, more of a, more of a, again, a veteran guy who understands the situation, understands his role, um, that he's going to provide a win here or there that maybe you don't get. And, and to your point, I think all of those guys have contributed something already to a victory and even scope, albeit just one really actual big moment. Um, that has been a key role in them being able to win these series uh, it was seven in a row before this series that they lost. Um, and, and people not really, as you said, understanding or appreciating that those fringe-type moves where you, you find out where you can fill in, uh, those really make a difference as you get down to the wire here. And the other side of that is I don't, I'm not sure if people realize the depth that was added to the organization with those moves because to clear those guys onto the 40-man roster, here are some of the guys who lost their 40-man roster spots at the end of August. Jake Thompson, Aaron Brooks, Ariel Hernandez, Nate Orff. With with all due respect to all those guys, you're adding Curtis Granderson and Gio Gonzalez and Xavier Cedeno. It is a it's remarkable to see the guys who left the forty man roster and see the guys who came in on the forty man roster. And that's a good point because people, especially that maybe are casual fans, or even people who really love the Brewers and are are in it and they understand it. There's always a tendency to look at the top portion of the team and well, how many elite guys do you have or how many stars do you have, and they forget about you know the bottom portion of it. I mean, there's there's always kind of been that saying where you're only as good as the worst player on your team, and obviously that can be a stretch. But you bring up the idea of you, know, you drop those four guys off, and then you bring in these new guys, and they're going to kind of sit somewhere in the middle, which means you're your middle guys now become your bottom guys as far as depth, and you just keep building and recycling. And that is, I think, part of the the beauty of Stearns and, and the organization's vision is that we're going to acquire a bunch of talent, we're going to kind of keep that line moving where we can fill in and just margin, even if it's in the margins, improve a little bit here, a little bit there, and we're always going to have that sort of room to adjust where we can push the bottom kind of handful of guys out and then the team as a whole is going to be better. And, yeah, then they're going to go out and get those elite guys like you've seen with Kane and Yellich. I mean, the Brewers would – who knows where they'd be without those two guys this year. Uh, but over the course of a season, as you know, as long as the baseball season is, those moves on the bottom end end up being sometimes bigger than the ones at the top end because there's only so many stars you can fit on the team, especially if you're talking about salary and position-wise. Uh, so it, it really is uh, you know, a fascinating, fascinating thing to see how they keep pushing that line up a little bit as far as where the, the bottom is. And then also, you know, cutting bait with some guys, whether it's be a trade or just releasing them, that they're like, you know what, there's not going to be a role for them, or they're past a certain age, or they're going to, you know, they're going to have to be put on a 40 man and we don't want to do that. Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes. Even myself, who, who really pays attention to a lot of that stuff, it's just so hard to keep up with that. You know, considering the success the team has had and, as you said, the talent they brought in and the depth they have, uh, you really got to take your head off the Stearns in the organization because I, I think they've done it in a way that's different than what the Cubs and the Astros did, but it's looking, at least at this point, it's going to be as successful and hopefully, obviously, the end game being in the World Series. Let me finish you off with this. Let's go to a hypothetical world where the Brewers do win the division. 
they win it. Uh, they win it enough so that they're able to completely set up their pitching for a divisional series. Uh, let's assume they go with three starters in a five-game divisional series with a couple off days there. I know there's a ton of baseball left to be played, and guys can continue to jockey. But if you had to give me the three guys for a divisional series to start games right now, who would you go with? Oh boy. Well. I mean, Chassin's earned it for sure, and uh, so I think he's definitely got to be. If you have the option, I think he's number one. Um, I really like. I really like what Wade Miley has been able to do. Uh, I think he'd be. I think he'd go number two at this point. I, I'm. Re- I really like how uh, how he's throwing the ball and, and what he gives them a little different look for uh, for the opposition there. When you get to number three, it's it's tricky. Um, you know, in a playoff situation, depending on how the off days break and, and the, the guys you use, you know, I I could see, it sounds crazy, but I, I could see going to a, like a bullpen type game. And obviously it's all going to depend on what happens in the first couple of games. And uh, and it might hurt you in the long run, but there, there'd be a there'd be a big part of me that, that would want to go with just your best arms from the beginning bullpen-wise, and go from there. And I know what the Orthodox and people would kill me for, and even for the wildcard game, I brought that up as a possibility that, you know, Hayter starts or Jeffers starts or, you know, going something unorthodox because, hey, that first inning, you're facing the team's best hitters, shut them down, try to get a lead. I understand the back end of the bullpen, you're going to be hurting uh, by the end, but, uh, you know, sometimes you got to take that chance. Um, considering that's not probably going to be the case, that they w- that they would do that. I don't think they're ready to make that leap in a in a series. I I'd still go with Anderson. I I, I still think Anderson has enough stuff. I mean, I think he's actually shown it. Um, his command has kind of lost him a, a handful of times here. But especially considering, in theory, they win the division, they would likely play maybe the Cubs after they would win the wild card game. Um, you know, I think he fared pretty well against the Cubs overall and. I think if I had to go with three actual starters, it would probably be Shasin, Miley, Anderson. And uh, the thing is, I think no matter who's starting, it's short leashes. It's get to your best arms as soon as you can. And, uh, you know, if you got to go multiple innings for multiple relievers, that's the way you do it. Because, uh, you know, as you, as you said at the end of the season, you're running out of time. Well, in the playoffs, you're literally up against it. So. Might as well go down swinging, that's what I would say. And let me oppose that and just give you my take on it. Uh, I would actually, and this could change based off the way he pitches down the stretch. He has to go back to the way he pitched the first time out. I feel like you went and got Gio Gonzalez to be a guy who could pitch in the postseason and has that experience. I'd go Gonzalez, and I, I, I would probably put Davies in front of Anderson, and the reason I would do that... And this, I'm, I'm not trying to take a shot at Chase Anderson. I think Chase Anderson has had a really nice season. I know there's this belief that he hasn't, but you look at the numbers overall, he's had a nice season. What worries me about the profile of a Chase Anderson is the home run ball. And I don't, I don't care about the home run ball during the regular season. You, you give up two, three solo home runs. You know what? Sometimes home runs are, are, are rally killers. That doesn't, that doesn't bother me, the home runs. But when in a postseason game where the scoring is so much lower and you might have to win a game one nothing or win a game 2-1, a guy that gives up the home run ball scares me a little bit more in the postseason than he would in the regular season. No, that's fair. And I think anybody who's followed the Brewers and Anderson specifically the last few years, that's clearly the issue this year versus, you know, the last year and a half where he was he was lights out. So I, yeah, that makes perfect logical sense to me. I, I I'd be hard pressed to argue any option for that third spot. Um, you know, the Brewers have kind of built their staff on being able to, you know, mix and match these guys and, and bring in, in different throwers. Um and only Gonzalez one makes sense. I mean I still am a fan of Davies, so I I really wouldn't have an argument with with anything, uh, you know, whatever council and company would would think would work best there. Uh, yeah, that's a great point as far as the home runs go. You, you you'd hate to give up a bloop and a blast in the first inning, and you're behind right away in in typically in playoff series where it's hard to score anyway. So, uh, I just hope we have that uh, option to be able to argue about that uh, come October. Absolutely, he is Tim Muma. Follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore Muma. Tim, this is a fun conversation. Thanks so much for uh, taking so much time, and we look forward to getting you back on the podcast again. Oh, I love it. Always have a blast talking to you, Matt. Uh, you do a great job. Appreciate everything you do for uh, for us Brewer fans out there. 
The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Well, the final playoff team in the Brewers organization had their season come to an end as the Biloxi Shuckers ended up losing the Southern League Championship Series to Jackson three games to one. Uh, They got beat by a 3-2 score in game four of that series, and uh, they end up losing, as mentioned. Kind of an interesting sidebar on this. Old friend Michael Blazik was the winning pitcher for Jackson against uh, Biloxi. But still, great run for uh, the Shuckers. They had a number of individuals who put up some uh, nice numbers over the course of uh, the postseason. Weston Wilson hit 370 in eight games. Troy Stokes Jr. hit 367 uh, in eight games. Uh, you had Keston Hira, who had 10 RBIs over the course uh, of the postseason. So just overall, some uh, certainly some good numbers. A 3.41 team ERA for Biloxi. In the Southern League playoffs, that was uh, best by a long shot. Pensacola came in number two at 3.62, and no one had better than a 4.6 ERA other than uh, those two uh, teams. So certainly some good stuff for uh, the Bloxy Shuckers. You're bummed that they couldn't uh, get a championship, but really a nice season. Some guys had some really – I think some guys had some really important seasons this year uh, at Bloxy and At some point over the next couple weeks, I haven't completely planned this out. I'm kind of talking on the fly here. We will do our minor league season recap, which we always do with uh, Brad Ford from uh, Brew Crew Ball. He is our minor league, uh, one of our minor league guys we really, really like to talk to. And uh, what we did last year, we made it a three-part deal. Uh, One week we did triple A and double A. The next week we did uh, high A and low A. And then the week after that, uh, we did the short season club. So we'll be doing that. Might wait until the Brewers regular season wraps up uh, before we do uh, do that full recap. But looking forward to spending some time with Brad at some point in the relatively near future and really doing a deep dive on what happened throughout the Brewers minor league system this year. Because interesting year. Certainly some guys take steps forward with all the trades that were made. Organizational depth got uh, got tested. Maybe the, the organizational depth in terms of prospects is not as strong as it was before. Not maybe it isn't. It, it absolutely is not. Uh, and I'm not putting the club down for that. The, you, you create organizational depth either to promote those guys through the system and get them to the big leagues to help you win games, or you use them to facilitate trades to get guys to the big leagues and help win games. And the Brewers this past year uh, took the the latter method, and it worked. It's worked so far. So uh, we'll, we'll talk to Brad at some point coming up. As far as the organizational and the affiliation shuffle goes, Brewers did announce an extended uh, player development contract with the Timber Rattlers uh, this week, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers and Appleton. That's a fantastic relationship, and I just hope it continues to go on and on and on uh, forever and ever because it makes so much sense. It's just up the road. Uh, the Brewers are able to uh, put major league guys on rehabs there. It's just it, it makes all the sense. It's a really nice facility uh, that they play in. So it is a, a two-year extension, and actually that is going to keep them there until 2022. The uh, current agreement went through 2020, so they signed a two-year extension. So that will take it through the uh, 2022 system, uh, or 2022 year, I should say. Uh, the the two that are still technically up in the air, the Helena Brewers, which are leaving Helena and moving to Colorado Springs, a short season club. Nothing official yet, but uh, if you read the tea leaves on everything that's going on. I would expect the Brewers to be in Colorado Springs with that Helena team that's moving to Colorado Springs. Uh, though Colorado Springs is moving from a Triple A team to a short season team, and I would suspect that the Brewers will be in Colorado Springs next year. But nothing official. Things can change. the uh, The affiliation movement is a uh, is kind of a weird deal. Uh, so nothing nothing is going to happen there. Nothing's been announced there. But I would think we would find out sooner than later that the Brewers in Colorado Springs will continue to be uh, matched up. But most people are most interested in the AAA situation. Uh, I broke that down 
fairly in-depth on last week's podcast, so if you didn't listen last week, uh, you can go back in the archives and uh, grab it, and just uh, you can you know skip ahead to the towards the end on the uh, minor league portion, the down on the farm report uh, as I get into that. But uh, some of the things that I predicted would happen uh, have happened. The Nashville Sounds have informed the Oakland A's that they are not going to be back in Nashville. And the Fresno Grizzlies and Houston Astros uh, both said we're done here and uh, moved on. Are going to move on to new places. So uh, we don't know anything yet as of Sunday night. But the Brewers will end up in either Nashville, Fresno, or Las Vegas, depending on what happens. Again, went through all of it last week, uh, and if they end up in Fresno. I think that might just be a two-year deal where they could very easily end up in Wichita two years later because the New Orleans franchise is going to be moving to Wichita, and that could be a good situation. And I've heard some rumblings out there that there might be some interest between uh, the two sides, but that would only be the case if they end up in Fresno. Nashville and Vegas are both fantastic situations for a AAA team, so if the Brewers end up in either of those places, I would be hopeful that that can once again be, well, for Nashville once again be, and uh, for Las Vegas just simply be a long-term home. All right, that's going to do it for uh, this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Taking a look at what is coming up this week for the Brewers. It is a big week. Uh, starts on Monday night as uh, they are going to uh, to open up a three-game series against the Cincinnati Reds. They At times, uh, these games against Cincinnati, it seems like a million runs are scored on a nightly basis. Wade Miley, who was pushed back a day, is going to start the series opener on Monday against Anthony Desclafani and then Chase Anderson and Gio Gonzalez scheduled to pitch in games two and three on Tuesday and Wednesday. Then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, those three games are going to be played in Pittsburgh after an off day on Thursday. Zach Davies, Yolis Chassin, and Wade Miley are scheduled to start those three games uh, for the Brewers. And the Brewers, it, it would uh, it would behoove them to have a little bit of a better series against Pittsburgh coming up this weekend than they did uh, this past weekend against the Pirates. As always, listen to all the action of Brewers Baseball on 620 WTMJ in the uh, Milwaukee area and well beyond with the uh, the blowtorch signal that reaches most of Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, parts uh, getting, uh, you, can, you can hear WTMJ all over the place. If there is a Packers game, if you happen to uh, tune in to WTMJ, and you hear the Packers, and you know the Brewers are playing, you can switch over to 94.5 FM, and that's where the uh, overflow games end up uh, going to when there is a conflict between the Brewers and the Packers. Once again, a big thank you to uh, Tim Muma, who was our featured guest this week from Brew Crew Ball. It's going to be a fun week. Enjoy it. That's my bottom line for it. Enjoy this. Uh, Even if they lose some games, and they're not going to win every single game the rest of the way, the fact that the games matter as much as they matter It's a special place to be in as a baseball fan, and make sure to enjoy yourself here over the next uh, next couple weeks. And we'll talk again next week with another edition of Brewers X-Trains, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.